because I, I I think there is a lot of confidence in yourself in mm-hmm. taking a day off. Yeah, you know, there's there's confidence in yourself as to you know to take a day off, right? You have to be okay with the work that you put in mm-hmm. the previous week or or yes. whatever it is, and so figuring out you know I, obviously i don't want anybody obsessive about anything mm-hmm. but to have that you know again motivation drive whatever you want to call it but like it's that it's just that having that that idea that you know i know what i'm doing mm-hmm. i you know i think i'm putting in the enough enough effort yeah and so you know on the days where you feel wrecked or, <laughs> yeah. the, or the or the weeks where you're like i got nothing to play you know i, I don't have games for another mm-hmm. month you know maybe i take the week off yeah Yeah. so that's um the one thing that i see with a lot of high level players is just confidence yeah you know confidence in the work that they're putting in um i i have i have yet to see a high level baseball player who Mm -hmm. didn't train hard Mm -hmm. and and not not practice right not not the sport right yeah in the weight room yeah you know in the the running the stuff that like sucks yeah (laughs) you know that's what it is it's 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 the stuff that sucks and the stuff that no one's going to see you do, yeah. but that's the work that has to put in. And that's what I think all high level, not just baseball, but athletes yes. lend towards yes. or gravitate towards. Welcome to the HNL Movement Podcast, where everything is geared to leveling up your performance in activities, sports, and life. Join me in my professional journey as I share my knowledge and experiences while also learning from professionals, colleagues, clients, and you with one goal in mind, how to optimize human performance. This is the right place to learn how a multidimensional approach will sustain the performance and lifestyle you desire. Welcome back everyone to the H&L Movement Podcast. I'm so excited for this episode and I'm glad you could join this week. For any of my new listeners, this is the right place to hear about everything that deals with optimizing human performance. All of my returning listeners, thank you again for the continued support. Check back on all of the previous library of episodes. There's been a ton of great guest interviews, solo topics, all of these things to share some perspectives, some knowledge, some strategies to help you to train better, help you to rehab and recover from injuries, also sports nutrition strategies, really everything that gears to helping you to reach your true potential. And as always, check out my YouTube channel. I've been putting up video highlight clips of the previous episodes. A short highlight clip is going up daily on my YouTube channel, so check that out. Be sure to share it with family, friends, teammates, coaches, anybody that's really going to benefit from some of these clips. Be sure to like those videos and subscribe to my YouTube channel as well to stay up to date with all of the content. Let's jump straight into today's episode. And it was a great time talking to this guest. And we have Harrison Kuroda on the podcast today. So he shares a whole lot of experience all the way from growing up playing baseball at mid-pack to overcoming his shoulder injuries and surgeries to playing at the University of Hawaii and doing a lot of great things. And he had to overcome a lot of adversity, a lot of obstacles during the recovery process to get back on the mound. But all of his experiences has helped him to this day as he opened Pitching Performance Hawaii and he works with a lot of young athletes there working on throwing mechanics, pitching mechanics and really just giving back to the younger generation. All the great stories that he shares, it gives a lot of perspective. And with all of the athletes, I like to hear their stories, sit down and talk to them because it's something that I can relate to. But a lot of the listeners out there, I know you can relate to his story as well. I don't want to spoil anything in the episode. There's a lot of great gems in this one. So listen in, sit back and enjoy. Welcome back everyone to the HNL Movement Podcast. 
This is going to be an exciting episode, and today we have no other than Harrison Kuroda coming on the podcast. So much great experiences to share here. A lot of things with baseball, of course, but even beyond strength and conditioning and all of that. But thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. This kind of stuff is always really fun. Get to talk story about things that I'm interested in, things that we're interested in. Yes. So it'll be... It'll be just a great, good conversation. Yes. And thanks for making the time, too, because yeah. you just came from analyzing or being the color commentary <laughs> last night for UH Baseball. And then now I think you got to go work with clients after this. So thanks so much for making some time. But let's start with, you know, let's just briefly go over your story. Mm -hmm. Because I think everyone's story or their experiences kind of lead into what they're doing today, right? 100%. And for you, that's... I think that's 100% true that all of the things that you have to go through through your career, mm -hmm. that is what's shaping kind of what services you offer to the kids and the youth, mm -hmm. right, that you're coaching. So briefly talk about, you know, growing up, what sports did you play and kind of how you got into baseball? Well, um, you know, I think like you, right, it's that, that we kind of come from the generation of like everybody played AYSO soccer, everybody <laughs> played Little League baseball, Pop Warner football. So for me, it was soccer and baseball just because those are the two sports, you know, when we were young that mm -hmm. they didn't really coincide with each other. Yeah. So um, that was my kind of foray into baseball. And then, yeah, I mean, you know. Japanese kid from from <laughs> yeah. Aya. like that's very stereotypical baseball. thing you do yeah. yeah baseball so when you were yep. growing up I'm assuming you started both at a young age you know mm -hmm. most people do but did you have a favorite like when you're kind of just starting trying these sports yeah out? my favorite was potluck and I know, I know, I know, and I knew both sports had potluck after so I'm like I'm into potluck man yeah. um to be honest like I, I don't think I was you know remarkably good at at baseball or at soccer you know I I think from six till mm -hmm. you know 11 i was just you know i kind of just participated kind of mm -hmm. you know i had no like real barometer on like how good i was at anything i just yeah. i liked hanging out with my friends i liked you know competing so uh -huh. yeah so it wasn't until about like 12 where you know baseball kind of started to like take precedent over soccer mm -hmm. I, I started at mid-pack shortly thereafter and so um yeah, and then at 12, 13, I kind of figured out, hey, I'm pretty good at throwing a ball. So um, I knew baseball was big at mid-pack. And mm -hmm. so um, I kind of felt like that's when I got a little more serious about, you know, pitching and stuff got like it. that. So. so, you know, when you're, we're, we're the same age, at, mm -hmm. actually, full disclosure. But, you know, I'm thinking when I grew up, too, there wasn't too many, like, private instruction no. and all of this kind of stuff. So even thinking about when you first started getting a little bit more serious about baseball, right? Was there anything that you did on the side or was it mostly just, no, go with team um, practice? You know, I, I think it was, we're kind of lucky, right? We're, we're, we're both 90s kids. Mm -hmm. um, after school, we'd come home and the Braves were always on. Mm -hmm. And thankfully in the 90s, the Braves were, they had really, really good pitching. They had, mm -hmm. you know, Tommy Glavin, Greg Maddox, um, John Smoltz. You know, just that entire rotation was real super high level, all, all Hall of Famers. Mm -hmm. So um, that was kind of my first like, oh, what are these guys doing? Because I guess these guys are supposed to be really good. Yeah. So it was real easy to just kind of turn on TBS and, and mm. you know, watch the Braves. Yeah. And pretty much every day you were, you know, you're watching the Braves. They were a pretty good pitcher going on. So mm. that's what I, that's what kind of started it for me. Like you said, there wasn't a lot of, yeah. you know, um, private instruction stuff. If anything, it was very informal on the side with somebody's yeah. uncle or somebody's <laughs> yeah. whoever but yeah that was kind of something that i felt like um i could have really benefited from you know as a younger kid yeah i feel like everyone our generation well everyone that i talk to right it's like oh man if we had some of these services when we were younger mm -hmm. right but at the same time 
you just need to go through these experiences, I think, mm-hmm. and then just grow as you, whatever your path is, right? Mm-hmm. But thinking back to like, okay, soccer and baseball. Well, first, what positions did you play growing up? Do you kind of just, you know, as a little kid play everywhere? I played or was wherever. There... Um, okay. I was always that kid until 12 years old that was taller than everybody. So I played okay. first base. Mm-hmm. Um, Baseball-wise, I was the goalie for, for soccer. <laughs> okay. But yeah, I always pitched. Um, mm-hmm. When I did start pitching at like 9 or 10, I was awful. I there was there was a rule like my dad was my coach and there was a rule where he said if you bean two guys you're out like I'm gonna automatically take you out of the game because okay. you know like you know if if you're a coach of a little league team and you have a pitcher on the mound that's just plunking everybody <laughs> on the other team it's like oh my goodness you yeah. feel bad uh-huh. um, so I think that was part of that but um, but that two bean batter rule kind of forced me to throw strikes and okay. kind of learned. Um, how to do that mm-hmm. a little, but um, yeah, I wasn't very good. <laughs> I think that I think we all can relate to that, right? So yeah. you know, when you were pitching at that young age uh-huh. too, right? Little league, were you someone that could always throw pretty hard, or that you thought, yeah. and that's why you could develop into a pitcher early on? Yeah, mm-hmm. um, I I knew I could I you know I could throw the ball farther than everybody. I could throw the ball faster than everybody. So mm-hmm. like. I always kind of knew that that was like my standout thing. Like I mm-hmm. couldn't field. I was an awful defender. <laughs> like fly balls, forget it. Yeah. Um, but I knew I could throw. Um, and I think from a fairly early age, what I did learn, and I don't know why, and, and if I, you know, I, I'm trying to figure it out now, but mm-hmm. I felt like I was, I, I understood the concept of leverage, leveraging my back leg against the ground uh, yeah. to propel a ball. Even before you knew what that intellectually yeah, like I, was. I just yeah. knew, I just, I don't know. It just, to me, it was something that felt like, okay, if I want to throw the ball far, like I can't just yeah. use my upper body, right? Like yeah. I just, like I watch, like I see pictures and I see video of myself from when I was that mm-hmm. young. Um, yeah, I was, I was like, well, my back leg is actually pretty, <laughs> pretty working good. pretty good. Yeah. So, but I mean, that was basically it. So, but I think just eventually that really kind of turned the corner for me as far as mm-hmm. like being able to apply a force got it to a ball yes thinking back and you know just because you say that the first thing that i think of is do you think soccer helped that at all no no it was just naturally you felt that i need to push off yeah to generate that Um, lower body power yeah Mm. it was that and then i think it was just being able to like figure out like okay you know in my head right i'm thinking i'm standing on a hill with a little plastic or rubber slab on it you know, like, how do I position my foot against this thing? Mm-hmm. Or how do I, like, position my foot on this little hill yep. to, like, create downhill force? Yep. And yep. so, again, like, I don't know why that <laughs> yeah. connected in my brain, but uh-huh. I just kind of remember, like, oh, yeah, just do this. Do you think you were always kind of technical to no. get every... No, you were just no. <laughs> trying to throw gas. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I got it. I was just like, you know, if, if my mentality as a... 10 to 12 year old is basically the same mentality that big leaguers have now it's just grip it and rip it <laughs> yeah, yeah. um didn't pan out a lot but <laughs> yeah. um for me but yeah that's something that uh yeah i wasn't very technical at all. <laughs> God, just just throw that i mean that's that's good just keep it simple right for a yeah. kid and then just try to throw but you know i i know we're gonna touch on this you know all of the technique that you try to impart on the yeah. younger kids and how you break down things we'll kind of get to that in a little later but it's interesting to hear kind of how that developed mm-hmm. so as you started to play more seriously yep. right at mid-pack was there something that clicked that you were like I think I can keep playing this and maybe there's a shot for me to play in college. Um, I don't I don't think that moment for me came until 
kind of late, you know, um, okay. just because there wasn't, you know, like, unlike now, right. It's, it's, I didn't know where I stood as far as like mm-hmm. college prospects, you know, mm. like I, I didn't really travel for baseball until I think I was a junior in high school, okay. which is nowadays like, yeah. you know, you, you tell a parent that they're like, what, what, what are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> you have to start traveling when you're in eighth grade and yeah. blah, blah, blah. And so, yeah. So, I mean, like for me, it was. Um, in fact, the guys that, and when I was at Midpac, there was a pretty decent pipeline of mm. Midpac graduates that made their way down to, to Manoa. Mm. Yep. Um, I think that's where the idea kind of started was because I'm like, okay, these guys were my teammates and yeah. I was, you know, equally or more successful than these guys mm-hmm. who are at UH. So like, why couldn't I do that? Mm. Um, and then, you know, and, and there were some things that kind of happened while, while I was at mid-pack, um, you know, where we ended up having a really small roster my junior year. And okay. that's when I, you know, that's when I got a lot of opportunities to, to play. And, you know, and then I think, I remember things kind of, things happening fairly quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was like state tournament and then the open recruiting period is right, right in June. Okay. And so that's kind of like when UH came and knocking. And so I'm, you know, and I'm kind of like looking at my parents. I'm like, you, you know, UH is calling me. Like, what, what, what do I do? <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. and so I'm like, you know, what, what are they going to tell me? What, what What's going to happen? Mm. So, um, yeah. So about like junior year, kind of that's when everything started to kind of solidify with Got my it. prospects to play in college. So Got it. Did I always want to? Yeah. I mean, I think I like you, right? I mm-hmm. wanted to, I liked competing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the longer I can compete, the better. The better, I, yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's interesting because like, I'm sure that there were showcases and, you know, things like that mm-hmm. when we grew up, but it was very rare. Like yeah. I didn't, a lot of even athletes that I know that went on to play college, mm-hmm. a lot of them did not do many, not yeah. like what it is like today. Right. Of course. No. So, you know, kind of thinking about that too, you know, just seeing some of the people that came right before you, right. Seeing yeah. they, them having success at the next level that kind of helped you to kind of formulate this vision. Right. Let's talk a backtrack a little bit. So as you start to develop as a pitcher, what was like your strengths or weaknesses or, you know, anything? What was your, like, were you a guy that were just hitting a lot of good spots? Like what, what was your strength that you really, I guess, helped you to succeed at? Mid-time? Um, just like big fastball, you know, big that's kind of yeah. what I was always that, mm-hmm. like, that's kind of was my game. You know, yeah. I always, I always preach to my pitchers, like, what is your game? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think they kind of, I think a lot of them, um, Fighters talk about that. Yep. You know, it's like, yep. what is your game? Are you a grappler? Are you a, yep. you know, one punch knockout artist? You <laughs> yeah. know, are you a cardio guy like Max? Um, yeah. You know, so my game was just like, I just had a big fastball yep. and I was going to try and see if you could hit it. Um, in, in Hawaii, that's huge because as you know, like, yeah. even I played, I played high school baseball, right? Like the time that we saw someone that was throwing like 90, I was like, oh man, what is this? It's like a, in Hawaii, we don't see that, yeah. right? So if you have that big fastball, you do have an advantage in Hawaii. You do. Yeah. But again, like, I think what happened with me is that it just, mm-hmm. it hindered parts of my development okay. because it, it allowed me to get away with a lot of things mm. that weren't probably very technical, mm. um, things that weren't very, um, you know, again, like, you know, I, I didn't really have a good change up until I got to college. Got it. You know, I, I could spin the ball kind of like my breaking ball was okay, but you know, would I have probably benefited from learning yeah. those things earlier? Definitely. Yeah. But, you know, and then 
the delivery kind of would get away from me and then mm. that's when you know i get hurt and that's when mm. a lot of the stuff we're, we're going to get into uh starts <laughs> yes yeah. so before we get into the injury so is there anything that helped you to, to develop that fastball besides just wanting to compete and just you know grip it and rip it was there things that you did outside like strength and conditioning or you know what other types <laughs> of things do you think helped you to have that you know, um, good fastball and I, and I think nowadays there are opposing viewpoints as mm -hmm. to like what the best modality for it is. Mm -hmm. um, I was a long toss guy. So okay. I was a guy that, granted, I thought it was fun, which is, sounds kind of weird, but yeah. like I, I had fun trying to see how far I could throw a ball, mm -hmm. you know, good or bad, you know, mm -hmm. but I feel like that was one of the big indicators for me or that was one of the big things that I did mm -hmm. fairly regularly that I think helped to contribute to like a, a better fastball than most. You know, I, I think you have a lot of people nowadays that are going to say, well, I think, you know, because you're a pitcher, you need to stay within 120 feet. Um, you need, you know, if you're going to really try and develop some arm speed or some arm strength, you know, you just try and speed up the baseball inside of that 120 feet mm. as fast as you can. Yeah. But for me, it was just like, I want to see if I can throw that ball over that fence. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Long toss is always, you know, something that, yeah. It's a very <laughs> polarizing good. subject. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but no, that's that's interesting to hear some of these little you know parts that helped you develop yeah. your pitching game, right? So let's kind of get into now the injuries. Yeah, I know you have a lot to share about this, and it's not only just the injury itself, but I think the learning process and the recovery to get mm -hmm. back to the level that you performed at, right? So. Right. Talk about that a little bit. When did the injury start? So the injury started freshman year, um, mm -hmm. freshman year of high school when I was still playing soccer. I, uh, I, it wasn't even a game. It was like a, it was like an inter, inter squad scrimmage, and mm -hmm. I uh, went up for a ball. I, you know, inside of the box, your legs kind of get tangled up, and mm -hmm. my body kind of tilted sideways, and then uh -huh. I landed. My upper arm landed on somebody's leg, and then it yeah. popped out. And so immediately, I'm kind of like okay, this is not good. Yeah. My shoulder should look round, but it <laughs> yeah. looks flat. Yeah. Um, you know, so that was the first injury. Um, I didn't play baseball my freshman year. Um, Got it. And then sophomore year was good. Junior was good. Senior was good. And then summer after my senior year where I'm supposed to go and play summer baseball before yeah. UH on the mainland, um, I had kind of told my coaches, kind of tired from my senior year. In actuality, I just wanted to hang out with my friends. Um, <laughs> stayed home, um, and I just ended up playing like American Legion baseball. Like uh -huh. I, my, a bunch of my friends were playing. I wasn't supposed to be pitching. I wasn't. I, I still was like thinking, well, I'm not going to hit in college, so this is where I can get this out of my system. And so, yeah. hit a ball, pretty good ball off the fence. I rounds first, running into second, slide into second base, and I reach back for the base. Uh -huh. Same thing. Shoulder popped out. Got it. Two weeks before I'm supposed to start at UH. Oh, no. And so um, coaches find out fairly quickly what was happening. They were awesome about it. They didn't give me any sort of grief. You know, uh -huh. I'm 18 years old and I'm already beating myself up. I'm like, what are you doing, stupid? Yeah. But they said, you know, we're going to automatically redshirt you your freshman year just so you can get right, which is exactly what they did. That entire year was basically rehab and, yeah. you know, all that. And then summer after freshman year of college, was the last time I ever threw a ball 94 miles an hour. That's crazy. And um, shoulder popped out. That was the oh. only time the shoulder popped out actually throwing. Throwing. And then that's when it was kind of one of those decisions where it's like, well, it finally came out throwing, so we have to fix this. Yeah. Um, luckily for me, I, um, you know, my coaches, and I was in California at the time, 
um, I flew down to LA, went to Curl and Job, okay. and uh, got my shoulder looked at by uh, Dr. Louis Yoakum. Okay. And, mm-hmm. you know, three weeks later, I'm on the OR. I'm in the OR. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so he went in there and he fixed my... He, I had a bank card repair, which, you know, it's just, you know, chronic dislocators mm-hmm. to tighten mm-hmm. up that joint. Mm-hmm. And then they had to fix my labrum and then bicep tendon. So Got it. it there's so many things. Mess. Yeah. yeah, there's so many things we can dive into here. So that first time, uh-huh. I don't know how much you remember, but how long did it... Like, did someone... Did it just go back in by itself? No, it was no. not a sublux. It was a full okay. dislocation, anterior who, dislocation. Who relocated it? Or did you have to go like, Went to ER? the ER. ER, okay. Went so they the ER. relocated it. And I had great like, athletic trainers yeah. at Midpack. You know, they were like, mm-hmm. no, we're not going to do anything. We're yeah. going to call an ambulance. Yeah. Sure enough, you know, get to the ER at Queens and then okay. right back in. So maybe, you know, two and a half hours. Got goes it, out. got it. Okay. Um, the last two times it subluxed. Um, okay. It kind of came out for, you know, five, 10 seconds and then kind of just jostled my arm a little and bit. And then it popped back in. Yeah. And then the last time I thought, you know, it was like a lethal weapon, you know, <laughs> I don't know if you remember that movie, but like the last time shoulder was out and grabbed my glove and kind of did one of these <laughs> against the fence and then went back in. <laughs> went back in. Yeah. So, I mean, the laxity by that point, you know, it was bad. Just, yeah. But mm-hmm. so I didn't realize that you did not surgically repair it until after that third time. Yep. So you went through a lot of rehab just yep. to create that shoulder stability, not only to create shoulder stability just for like working out, it's creating shoulder stability to throw a ball because this is your throwing side. And like the last time, dude, like I'm telling you, the last time it came out, like it would pop out, like it would sublux when I'd sneeze. Oh, that you is know, crazy. It's just like, and I'm just like, Oof. Yeah. So, but, you know, it's interesting that you say that because going off on a little tangent, but that shows how much dynamic stability you need to throw a ball. Because if right. it could just come out like that when your muscles are turned off yeah. and it doesn't come off, come out when you're throwing like a 90 mile per hour fastball, yep. that's how important it is for all these throwers to take care of those muscles because right. that is what's stabilizing your shoulder. Otherwise, it's going all into your shoulder joint, your labrum and all of yep. these things. Right? Yeah, it's so, just like constant distraction on the joint and yep. then... Um, you know and then just like you know for me like as a player like i didn't want to know like you know everybody would be like what's going on with my arm and i'm like well it's probably because your bicep tendon is flaring up because your rotator <laughs> yeah. you like, yeah, i don't, don't, like, don't want to like have to like i didn't want to be that guy to like have to know that stuff like yeah. i didn't, didn't want to be that guy to like oh for you to throw a ball is because you need scapular rhythm that's true right it's like the only reason why i know that stuff is because i got hurt <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know? exactly so, um, exactly but so, again that you know kind of good and bad because that's kind of what sparked my interest in yeah. you know shoulder stuff and what you're doing today yep. so when you think about it too how much discomfort or pain would come on were you throwing through did you have to deal with or was it more like no as long as i did what i needed to do i could um pre-surgery i mean like dude like pre-surgery i was one of those guys that after i threw throw some mice good okay you know but after surgery i mean like it's just foam rolling um yeah. you know doing you know, Eastim stuff, doing, um, you know, I, I think when I was at UH, that's when kind of the ARP stuff would mm-hmm. kind of be introduced. I was like, this is sore. I don't like this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it definitely is sore. Yeah. But, yeah. but my, uh, but yeah, after surgery though, I definitely had to be diligent with recovery stuff. So were there many times that you were throwing through pain or was it manageable? Like you, um, adrenaline and everything, it was like... No, this is not after surgery. I think. Um, okay. I think. Surgery. I think after surgery, uh, I'd say like after month twenty, that's when I could kind of feel regular DOMS after I oh, pitch. Okay. okay. You know, I think prior to that, you know, and I think the first year to eighteen months was uh, 
kind of that me trying to figure out like because some days it'd be it'd feel great mm-hmm. yeah i'd throw you know do my long toss do all of my stuff that i need to do that day mm-hmm. feel great and then i would do the exact same thing the the, the next day and then i feel awful and Got so it. a lot of it came down to like okay you know looking at all the variables mm-hmm. and trying to figure out and piece by piece you know what is causing irritation yeah and then you know once it's irritated how do we mitigate that irritation yeah yeah um so that's kind of like for me it ended up being a very technical adjustment to my delivery Got as it. to like why my arm felt the way it felt it. so making some adjustments to maybe not even something necessarily with my arm you know Got maybe it. how i how i bear my weight on the ground Got you know it. take some brunt off of the shoulder yada 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 so this is after college right well this is during college because oh, okay. during college um what years know, were this? so uh, I had surgery in 2005. I didn't play. Right. So from so my first year at UH was fall 2004, like you. Mm-hmm. I didn't get into a game until spring 2007. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense now. Yeah. So talk about that a little bit. Like at UH, how much did you have to adjust after coming back from the shoulder surgery? Like what mechanically or training wise or anything, like besides the foam rolling and the maintenance, yeah. like, what kinds of things did you have to do? To actually pitch again um well you know the obvious stuff you know Uh you have you know extensions you know abductions um you know rotator cuff work Mm -hmm. range of motion work you know all the rehab stuff yeah you know a lot of like body blade a lot of dynamic Mm -hmm. kind of stuff that way um what's actually funny was um you know because because you know i think after i had surgery i think month six was when i could start light throwing again Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and because the intensity wasn't very high, it'd feel good, you know. And then once you start getting to like 90 feet, I think I remember 90 feet, you know, that, and then I think 90 feet was probably about month eight after surgery. Mm-hmm. Again, it would have good days and have bad days, yeah. um, you know. But to me, I'm just thinking like, well, this is just part of rehab. This mm-hmm. is just, you know, what I need to do. And then like finally at month 12 or 13, I'm back on the mound yeah. trying to work off the mound. You know, I couldn't throw harder enough to break glass at, at that mm-hmm. point. Yeah. Just because it was a, a cycle of pitch, throw, try to throw hard, which wasn't hard at all, yeah. and then get sore, be on the shelf for two weeks, and then mm-hmm. kind of... So it was like that for from month 12 to month 18, but... Mm-hmm. Um, well, month 12 to about month 15 or 16. Yeah. But it was a conversation with Tommy Heffernan okay. that kind of started to like... It kind of started to make sense in my head because, because I was like doing rehab uh-huh. for so long, right? Yeah. It's It's, you know, you go to wherever you're you're chilling on the on the you're chilling on the exam table you're checking out girls right (laughs) like you're doing all that kind of stuff at rehab and so like tommy was like why don't you get under the bar and try and squat yeah right because up until that point it was all safety bar right because i didn't want to get into that external rotation right it's like why don't you try to get into underneath the bar yeah i'm like okay he's like no with a regular bar yeah so i'm like I can't do that he's like no just try yeah right and so like bar right and yeah. i'm like okay i can get into that position yep yep okay it's not sore yeah and then why don't you try why don't you try to get on the bench press yeah you know and i'm like bench press what <laughs> yeah he's like yeah jump yeah. on the bench press use a phone book mm-hmm. don't go all the way down but just yeah. use the phone book yeah you know come down push it up you know, because up until that point, it's like 25 pound dumbbells yeah. and you're going real limited range, yes. real slow. And so he's like, did it hurt? I'm like, no. He's like, okay. Yeah. And then after that point, then it was kind of like, you know what? Maybe I have to like start incorporating traditional yes. lifting yeah. mm-hmm. into like what I'm doing, yeah. right? It's, 
no fault to anybody, but mm-hmm. I got strong again. You know, I started going back into the weight room, doing, you know, regular stuff. And mm-hmm. then all of a sudden my 77 that I was throwing is 80. I'm like, oh, okay. 80 okay, turns yeah. into 82, 82 turns into 86, 86. Yeah. Now I'm like, oh, like I can actually play division yeah. one baseball now again. Yeah. So I, I, I actually give a lot of credit to Tommy too. Yeah. Just cause um, he was the one that kind of like put that seed in my brain about like, hey, Maybe you should start training like a division one athlete and <laughs> yeah. not just doing rehab. No, that's that's huge. And there's so many things that I want to kind of mention there because, I mean, you know what I did, right? So that's where I think is the biggest disconnect, I guess, mm-hmm. is that after rehab, right, let's call it, to like actual performance training, mm-hmm. it's like, who's going to be in there? And that's there. what, yeah, that's what yeah. Tommy kind of did for you. And the, the good thing too is that Tommy's a baseball player, right? Mm-hmm. So he knows like you know, what your shoulder needs to encounter and all of that. But yeah. just the fact that you started to progress, cause like there's only so much you can progress with that light weight, right? Mm-hmm. And then as you know, like how much power and explosiveness your your yep. throwing motion is and how much you have to decelerate and all that strength, right? That can be restored by just like benching, right? Mm-hmm. You don't have to bench in a way that's counterproductive, right. but you can bench in a way, shoulder press, all of these things in a way that's very productive to throwing. And that's, and you know, and that's a big kind of, thing nowadays right it's like before when i was growing up or when we were growing up it's like oh you don't want to bench press you're a baseball player (laughs) right but i mean i'm not saying you should be doing like a triple yeah you know (laughs) like that that's not what i'm saying you know you can work within a rep range of like eight to ten really Mm -hmm. fatigue the muscle really Mm -hmm. get the range that you need and then you know be completely safe with it yeah yes so that's that's interesting to hear so that you know kind of bridging that gap progressing more into strength training like a division one athlete again now think about it mechanically did you could you keep all the same mechanics or did you have some restriction or like what kinds of things had to change or adjust Um, there i was so the biggest adjustment was that i had to turn my i had to turn my 100 percent effort into 90. okay you know so if i kind of kept the kept the lid at 90 i i could feel pretty comfortable with myself i could still create force um create speed on the ball Mm -hmm. but i had to change um a lot of times with how my hands were separating i felt like because i was a guy that you know was fairly inconsistent there was a lot of um chaos in my delivery um prior to getting hurt which i think was the contributing factor to why i got hurt Mm -hmm. um you know big arm plus bad technique is usually not a very good recipe for arm health (laughs) Mm -hmm. But, you know, just being able to consistently, like, get my hand out of the out at the right time, get my okay. arms up in the right time, okay. and then now finding that position and finding that arm slot to where I could, you know, throw quickly, move my arm quickly, and still not feel like I got hit got by it. a bus. Yeah, got yeah. it. That's very true. I mean, you think about it. As we start to age, right, and youth is not really on our side, so you start to train smarter, right? Mm-hmm. Now, my second question is, like, you mentioned earlier that you didn't really start to, you know, develop your changeup, curveball, and yep. breaking balls and stuff like that until you got to UH. Mm-hmm. Do you think this really forced you to have to do that? Yep. Because now, like you said, your cap is at 90%, right? You don't want to go crazy, right? Yep. You don't want to feel like you're getting hit by a bus after the game. So, like, talk about that a little bit. Was that a challenge for you at this stage? or It was. Yeah. It was challenging because I had to start pitching without my ego. Got it. You know, I had to start doing things that i wasn't necessarily comfortable with you know and then that's human nature right Mm -hmm. you always run back to what feels comfortable but it took a lot of you know me kind of sitting down with myself and you know my my physical therapist patariki at Mm -hmm. sports medicine hawaii Mm -hmm. and um coaches and and you know really sitting me down and being like dude 
the way you are pitching right now is not gonna and like yeah we, we love that you're back we love yeah. that you know your arm feels good now and we, mm-hmm. we love that your fastball is somewhat back but mm-hmm. um if you were to go into battle with that yeah. you would get your your outings would be a lightning show mm. would be fireworks yeah um you have to learn how to spin the ball you mm. have to learn how to throw a changeup because otherwise you're not going to pitch mm. and so that's what i had to sit down and learn and and a lot of it was just tinkering around and during batting practice where pitchers aren't doing anything is like hey dude catch this yeah yeah did that look good what <laughs> yeah. that look like yeah you know and then that's kind of where it starts and then figuring out okay this grip feels good mm. this you know this arm action or this whatever gives me the the depth that i need so um that's why i needed to um that's why i felt like you know where i am today like you said earlier Uh right it's like all of our experiences yeah factor into what we're doing today Mm -hmm. and um and so to now today like i require my my all of my pitchers to learn how to throw a changeup got it you know, not just because it's a good pitch, but it's mm-hmm. just, you know, I don't want them to be in that situation to where they don't know how to slow a ball down without like, you know, doing any sort of weird stuff, yeah. you know? So yeah. um, that's what I kind of, yeah, I have, to, I have to start throwing without my ego. <laughs> Got it. Yeah. When you think about that too, how, because as you said, before that, you weren't relying on these off-speed pitches, mm-hmm. right? So how did, like, was there anyone coaching staff or like who was really helping you to develop this skill because now it's like i mean not saying you didn't throw these pitches yeah. before but you didn't use them as effectively as you could have right. right so like how did who was there to kind of guide you along the way like how you're guiding your athletes yeah. right now was there anyone like that for you yeah my pitching mm-hmm. coach chad konishi at the time yeah. he was very instrumental i mean he was a guy dude like one of my favorite people on the planet mm-hmm. um he's the athletic director at st louis now yeah. I, I, I talked to him not today like how we was like how we were you know 15 uh-huh. years ago you uh-huh. know our conversations are very the same he was always in my corner mm-hmm. and he was always one that he never gave up on me because I think he he knew how good I could be I think okay. I think he knew that with the right instruction with the right direction I could you know still have a fairly decent career after surgery and so um he was the one that was real instrumental in 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 really teaching me how to throw my curveball mm. um i never used to really think of things other than like this is how i hold it Got this it. is what i'm supposed to feel and throw it but yeah. he was the one he's like well think about how it's supposed to spin mm. what is it what does a proper curveball look like in your head mm. and then you know then it was playing catch with it then it was just okay sitting in the airplane as we're flying to louisiana tech just like holding the baseball and flipping a ball while i'm yeah, in, yeah. in in the chair you know so that was that he was somebody that really uh helped me mm-hmm. i'm sure you impart a lot of that on the athletes and the pitchers that you work with today, yeah right yeah That's yeah the, um yeah. The ones that um that need that yes type of instruction yes so no there's so many things and you know we could talk about your whole rehab thing yeah you know for multiple episodes yeah. but sounds like you know a lot of things you've overcome besides just the physical component i mean mental component too you got to learn how to pitch like without your ego right you have to learn how to control and bring your game to you know it's performance potential yeah. right now when you think about that too let's switch gears a little bit you know we might be dating ourselves a little bit mm-hmm. but back at uh when did it seem like okay it's all starting to come to fruition because this was a long recovery journey yeah. so when were you like oh i can i can do this i can compete again like how i want to compete um i think it was 2008 
Okay. 2008. Um, so 2007, like I said earlier, 2007 was actually the first time that I got to pitch. Yeah. You know, my first year was at 2000. So it was, it was like several years until yeah. I got to actually get into a game. Mm-hmm. And I was throwing 76 miles an hour, 77 miles an hour. Like, you know, just it wouldn't cut it. It was like we were up 20 runs. Mm. And, you know, it was like non-conference. So, you know, just let them throw. You yeah. know, and so I got in and, uh, you know, and so in my head, right, like I have all the adrenaline going. I, you know, I'm like, oh, I mean, I'm in the game. It was on TV. Mm-hmm. And so I, I get into the dugout. I'm like, hey, how hard am I throwing? Yeah. And they're like, you know, I, I see some people like kind of like look down uh-huh. and then kind of like, and then somebody just hands me over the chart and uh-huh. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm uh-huh. throwing 76 miles an hour. Yeah. You yeah. know, and so like at that point, I'm just like, oh my God. So at that point, I was kind of like, you know what? I should just probably not play. Like, uh-huh. I, I was like, I should probably just like finish finish school, you know, and then just move on with it. But um, 2008 was the first year that actually Hawaii was, or sorry, summer of 2007 was the first time Hawaii had a collegiate, a summer collegiate league. Okay. It was four teams and, you know, and, and I had, you know, had kind of told a couple of people like, you know, I think I'm done. Mm. You know, I think I just want to like move on with my life. Um, I... I get a call and then they're like, hey, you know, this is so-and-so from the Hoi Collegiate League. You you want to play? I heard you're not playing on the mainland. You want to you wanna try? And, I was yeah. like, mm, yeah, whatever. Yeah. All right. Okay. You know, and it was at that point where I think just being able to like get regular work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that was actually the time when, you know, I was working out at UH and that's when Tommy and I had that conversation about like, hey, why don't you start like squatting? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yes. Um, and so it was kind of at that point because that's when I started like getting some of that velocity back. Okay. You know, and I remember it being like, you know, it's summer league. I may or may not have been hung over at my game. Yeah. You know, and I'm on the mound, right? And I'm, you know, it's a day game. It's hot. I'm like, oh my God, I just want to get out of here. And so like I could, I felt like I was moving slowly. Like I felt like awful. Okay. And then I get back in the dugout and I was like, hey, what was the velo at? And I was like, oh, it was 84 to 87. I was like, really? Yeah. Wow. What? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then, so that's when I kind of light ball. I was like, well, you know, I, I, I'm getting some of this velocity back. So, you know, I had told myself, okay, you know what? If the fall of the fall of the next year, if things are still like how it was last spring, then you're done. Okay. But then luckily, you know, that, in, I remember specifically that entire fall being pain-free the entire fall. Okay, good. So I'm like, what? Yeah. Like, what is this? Like, yeah. I, um, like what is this I, I don't know what this feels like because I would feel like banged up all the time yeah. and then and then I kind of factored into a couple games early on um, I had you know I had three or four good games in a row and then um, for a couple weeks I was got thrown into the starting rotation I'm like whoa, 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 whoa <laughs> yeah. what so things worked out um, thankfully yeah um, because at, at that point I was kind of in a bad place mentally I was kind of yeah. in a you know, in a poor me kind of state. And yeah. so it was good that, you know, that allowed me to kind of get myself out of that. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy because in the moment, we can't see, you know, where this is going to lead you to, right? Yeah. It's just hard in the moment. And then, as you know, you keep being consistent with it, you know, consistent throwing, playing, lifting, mm-hmm. right? And then before yep. you know it, it's like it adds up. And I think, you yep. know, for all young athletes too, even though it's super hard in the moment, when you string together months of that, yep. that's where the progress is going to be at, right? And going back to like, when you were a little kid, right? How you would always say that, you know, I would just know how to drive and get some mm-hmm. velocity on that ball, right? Something as simple as like, 
your strength capacity in your legs after surgery was like way low, right? Mm-hmm. So even like just squatting, just mm-hmm. improve your strength capacity. Now you have more potential for it to translate off that drive off the mound, right? Like yep. all these little things, we don't really understand until it all comes together. Right. How important it is, right? Right. And 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 like and I think nowadays I don't think we'll ever get to this position, but like being able to like control all of the variables, right? And yeah. staying on top of all of the variables and like things that may not may or may not work for you, mm-hmm. you know, things are always interchangeable. Yeah. You know, I would always say that, you know, like if something isn't working, don't yeah. continue to do it because that's yeah. insane. <laughs> yes. You know, but you know, if, if you're, you know, mindfully kind of piecing all these things together mm-hmm. as far as, you know, um, you know, what, what days do you work out? What days do you yeah. throw? What days do you, you know, just having that and yes. being mindful and, and as you're doing it, not really thinking of it as like, Oh, I got to do this. Yeah. I think is huge. Um, and I think players are getting much, much more tuned into that kind of stuff now. Definitely. Um, because I think obviously we know more now. Yes. There, there's so many great things that, that, you know, we can discuss on and on. I do want to touch on before we move on a little bit more of what you're doing now. Yeah. Any, Great UH memories that stick out to you, um, whether yeah. that's on um, or off the field. In fact, I was talking about it last night on air was <laughs> okay. um, in 2010s, and, and the discussion was should or should should or shouldn't the Big West have a conference tournament? Okay. And in 2010, uh, my last year, the only reason why we went into we got to play in the NCAA tournament mm-hmm. was because of that tournament. Okay. Because the WAC at the time had a conference tournament, they yes. still do, but it was Louisiana Tech. Um, there's a runner on second. We're in the ninth inning, and it's a tied game. Okay. Who's at the plate? Colton Wonk. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> He's pretty good at baseball. He's yeah. all right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he just hit. He just made. He just played in his thousandth major league baseball game. I know. And he no had big that. deal. He was on top ten uh, a couple of days ago. Oh, I know. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, yeah. first base was open, uh-huh. right? So the 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 book says right. You got a, you got the best hitter on the opposite team on the on at the plate. You have a runner on second. You tie ball game. Yeah. You walk that guy. Yeah. You like everybody's thinking. You you throw four wide and yeah. you let him go. Yeah. They elected to pitch to him, mm-hmm. and he ended up hitting a two run home run. Got it. And that is how we. Because again, like going into that tournament, we were twelve and twelve in conference. Mm-hmm. We were we weren't very good. Uh-huh. Uh, we had good players, but we weren't playing very good. And mm-hmm. then um, he hit that home run, and then that was probably the craziest three-week stretch of baseball i have ever been a part of yeah i vaguely remember that now and and you know going off topic but there's certain players at uh uh we'll talk about this too at the end hawaii has some good baseball players yeah yeah born and raised baseball players and i think that's a testament to this team this year um you know eight out of nine starters for uh are Mm -hmm. from hawaii yeah yeah i never thought i would see that ever and i'm a hawaii (laughs) guy yeah um but i think that's just goes to show you about the culture and and how important baseball is here yeah 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 let's switch gears a little bit and transition into so you know all of these things that you've been through Mm -hmm. it kind of led you to take more interest i think into Mm -hmm. okay how do i it's not only injuries like it's beyond injuries because if you take care of if you try to incorporate some injury prevention stuff some prehab stuff you're going to make that person's performance go up. Right. Like you're definitely going to elevate their performance because they're just moving more efficiently mm-hmm. or using their body more efficiently, training more efficiently, yep. right? So that kind of led you on this journey to, 
Hawaii definitely needs more people like you, what you're doing. But that led you eventually to open your own facility, right? Yep. Why don't you talk about that transition from, you know, after you finished playing in 2010. Yep. Kind of the experiences you gained and then eventually like saying, I'm going to take this leap of faith and yeah, let's do this too. Yeah, these so local players. Um, I got done in 2010. Um, and, you know, I think I was having a bit of an identity crisis. Mm. Um, you know, former athlete. Now I'm now mm. I'm faced with the the reality of like, you're not going to be playing yeah. a sport anymore. Yes. guy. You know, mm-hmm. you're not. And, and, you know, by the time I was done, I was 24 years old, mm-hmm. where most people at that time are like, well established in the workforce <laughs> yeah. at that point. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I'm kind of like, I don't know what I want to do. I don't mm-hmm. know what I'm going to do. And yeah. fortunately, I had, you know, I was I went down to see my physical therapist, Pat, at mm-hmm. Sports Med. And he was like, hey, you know, um, you know what we're kind of talking about earlier. Hey, you know, I think there's a need and a niche for you know, I'm not a clinician. I'm not a PT. I'm not a PTA. Um, mm-hmm. But he was like, you know, I think there is a market or I think there is a niche for, um, you know, somebody who really understands throwing. Yeah. Um, somebody who really understands the the ins and outs of what rehab looks like and what yeah. it should look like. Yeah. And um, helping with some of this uh, throwing technical stuff. Yeah. Um, so he kind of brought me on as like a throwing analyst. Mm-hmm. Um, and that where it kind of started was um you know taking a look at some of these kids after they get the green light from you know orthopedic surgeon or whoever or the pediatrician taking a look at how they're how they're moving and then making necessary adjustments to be like okay you know i could kind of see you know you can't really like point one thing to an injury but you can Mm kind of extrapolate some things with like hey you know i think your feet are kind of moving a little bit weird oh i think your hips are moving a little bit weird let's let's try and adjust some of these things before you actually start getting back on the field and then let's see what your throwing looks like and and see if we can get it pain-free so i did that for five years and then you know i mean like you know right it's just the grind of you know eight o'clock to you know seven o'clock and you know having late nights and and just feeling absolutely exhausted (laughs) after work so i'm like you know what man this is something that i think um for how i like to live my life and you know at the you know i was 29 yeah and i think at that point i kind of figured out like you know this is how i like to live my life Mm -hmm. you know i like to do these kinds of things you know um i think what i have envisioned in my own head Mm -hmm would help contribute to how i like to live my life yeah you know um at the time i didn't have kids yet um Mm -hmm. i have one now Mm -hmm. but um it was something where i knew that i wanted to be home you know yeah for you know if i can't be at if i can't be home at you know after work you know let me be at home before work where i can still interact with yeah you know with my child or you know my parents or whoever Mm -hmm. um that's how i that's what i appreciated Mm -hmm. and so you know with a leap of faith and some you know help from my parents that's where pitching performance hawaii got started in uh 2016 so been kind of at it for a while and right before covid i was fortunate enough to move to a bigger location but then that's when the world almost fell apart (laughs) yeah everything got turned upside down but no it's it's good to hear because you know if you think about it too all of these things that you went through if one of these things didn't happen, you might not even be down this path, right? Yeah. So, and Hawaii definitely needs this. We were just talking about it before we started recording, but there were many times when 
you know, and and we have good people that we're talking to. Mm-hmm. To we mentioned Kurt Watanabe, right? But there are times when like this is way beyond rehab, like mm-hmm. or strength and conditioning. Even like I can get you super strong, yep. mechanically do everything. But if you keep throwing like that, mm-hmm. you're just going to be right back in here. You kind of mentioned that too. Is that was a cycle that I think we all see in Hawaii? Mm-hmm. It's like oh, you get injured or get some kind of issue problem, and then after that you go rehab for a little bit, but you don't bridge that gap. You go back to play again, and that cycle just kind of repeats. Well, right? and I think it's a very like Hawaii, California, Texas, Florida problem, right? Because mm-hmm. we never it never gets cold. Yeah. And so because it never gets cold, yeah. there's technically no real off season. Yes. Um, when you're having to deal with you know like having to throw outside when it's 50 degrees, like <laughs> yeah. nobody wants to do yeah. that, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I think it is a very warm weather problem. No. You know, and again, it's because it never ends. That's kind of what compounds the problem. Yeah. You know, because there's no real true off season. You know, technique flaws that were semi red flags yeah. in January. September now it's awful because of fatigue because yeah. of you know whatever yes. it is yeah let's dive into that a little bit so thinking about you know what you're kind of I know you definitely do a good job with you know individualizing what everyone needs there's no cookie cutter plan but what's kind of your approach or style to help these kids out right especially the ones that are serious like there's a lot of baseball players that when they're going into high school it's like hey you have a legitimate shot this might be your ticket to college or whatever it is you know extending your education so what's kind of your approach to help these people that are definitely serious about getting to the next well my my approach is more of like an environment kind of mindset thing right it's it's Mm -hmm. that i i want players to be naturally curious you know i want I don't want my players to take what I say for as law, you know, like, because I could even be wrong, you know? And so to be able to like kind of foster that, that curiosity, right. I always tell, you know, on, on, on my players first initial visits, like this isn't practice, you know, this isn't somewhere where, cause I feel like there's a dynamic when you have a player on a team, you know, Mm -hmm. coach player relationship is very one-sided, you know, it's very like Mm -hmm. this guy talks, this guy (laughs) listens. And this guy tries to apply what that yeah. guy was talking about. Yes. Um, I don't think that's a very good yeah. approach. That's me yeah. just personally. Like, I, don't, I don't feel, especially with something that is so gray, like, like throwing mechanics, mm-hmm. right? You know, everybody's body is different. Everybody's mm-hmm. movement patterns are different. So we can't, uh, we can't approach the skill from a one way approach yeah. you know we have to be able to be multifaceted we have yeah. to be able to keep strengths you know fix some of these flaws and then um you know for you to do that you have to be you know it, everything can't be so concrete everything yeah. can't be so well this is the way it is because this is the way my dad said or this is the way my coach says it's yeah. you know like come here you know if you are watching clayton kershaw throw on tv and you see something cool that he does and you want to try it yeah let's try it yeah you know i'm gonna be the first critic of it (laughs) yeah you know but you know i never shoot down an idea from any of my players so um being curious you know and not looking at everything as as black and white yeah i think those two things i mean i 100 percent agree like that collaboration back and forth because the thing is you can tell someone what to do, but then how much are they going to actually be curious or even learn why they need to do things or learn yeah. about their body, right? When you start to put it on them and get this two-way communication going on, I think they're going to get way more out of it too because now they're paying attention to like, oh yeah, you know, like I can kind of see like outside perspective, what I'm experiencing, put those two things together. Yeah, and like, you know, you know and, and 
you're you you know if you enjoy or if you have a, a legitimate interest in what you're doing mm-hmm. you know you might not enjoy it but at least there's an interest in it yeah. you know i think that is where you start to get better yes you know that's where i think you know all of the development starts because it's not like seen as a chore it's not yeah. seen as <laughs> yeah. um you know and, and kind of like having you kind of talk about that too you know it's it's just making sure that um you know everybody's on the same page mm-hmm. everybody's um what what they're telling me and what i'm telling them are are meshing and mm-hmm. and with that so yeah that motivation drive you know there's so many things we can i think there's mm-hmm. a lot of overlap with how we um, approach clients athletes yeah. and things like that too i i definitely agree the other thing too that you said that i really like a lot is that there's no black and white mm-hmm. yeah there's fundamentals there's things that you have to understand but there's no black and white because once you get to there there's going to be all these individual differences and i can go on and on this could be for a squat or it could be for throwing mechanics right there's so many things that's going on infinite amount of variables right. that you can compensate you know usually in a bad way that you don't want to do you want to avoid yeah. but there's also ways that hey this is how you move if you understand this you'll move more efficiently or you know develop yep. more technique and whatever it is so i think that's oftentimes with all the information out there right people think of things as really black and white and it's like this is going to apply to everybody across the board and it's like especially for pitching that's not mm-hmm. going to be true right right it might work for someone really well maybe work okay for someone else and maybe be detrimental yep. for someone else and that's the thing that people need to kind of understand yeah know? and you know like you talk about kind of you know not to beat a dead horse with the whole pitching thing but like um mm-hmm. somebody like um like the west the, the oh my god the west side barbell guy okay um, yeah you know he just passed yep. away um yeah. you know but like coming from that you know kind of like looking at that guy's story too right it was kind mm-hmm. of the same thing right it's like mm-hmm. traditionally everybody was Everybody was saying, okay, like for you to squat 1,000 pounds, yeah. you need to, you know, you need to do box squats, you need to do this, da, blah, blah, blah. You know, he kind of had that whole idea of like, no, you know, yeah. you telling me that I had back surgery and I can't lift, like I can still lift, yeah. I can still figure this out. Yes. And, you know, again, it's just that doesn't happen unless, you know, that guy has that thinking of going against the grain. Yeah. And then inventing that reverse hyper machine too, right? You know, so yeah, all of those things are, there's so many stories that come out like that where, you know, there's differences in how everyone moves and how everyone can train to reach this capacity or get back to whatever they were doing too. No, that's great to hear. Now let's talk a little bit about, I know you're busy and everything. So let's talk a little bit about the growth and the evolution of Pitching Performance Hawaii. Like what's you know, starting off, you already moved into a bigger space, mm-hmm. which is excellent, right? You can yeah. help more people. But talk about the evolution, maybe things that you've learned personally, too, or other things that you've learned from the growth of just more athletes coming through. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, if the evolution of it, I think kind of it, it kind of started fairly, you know, I, I think like once everything kind of started hitting the ground, things kind of evolved pretty mm-hmm. rapidly. You know, I was real big on... um you know, I would do these real elaborate initial evals, you mm-hmm. know, like I would, I would, you know, do all of the external internal rotation. Mm-hmm. I would do the flexion. I would do, you know, dynamometer stuff. Mm-hmm. I would do grip uh-huh. strength, all these kinds of things. Uh-huh. Right. And, and I do it, you know, and I go by 45 minute to hour increments mm-hmm. um, with my schedule. And like, by the time I'm done with my eval, like they haven't even thrown a ball and it's like 
half an hour into it. Yeah. And yeah. so I'm like, okay, I can't do that. Yeah. You know, as much as I would like to, uh-huh. and as much as I would like one day to look at all of those numbers and uh-huh. try and like extrapolate some things out of it. Uh-huh. Um, my day-to-day operation that doesn't lend itself to yes. like that, you know, especially when you have, you know, a, you're with a player or you're with an athlete and then your 11 o'clock comes early and you're, <laughs> and you're just like looking at them and yeah. you're like, okay, okay, just hold on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And yeah. so that kind of whole thing. So just to kind of streamline things, COVID forced me to do that. Mm-hmm. So I think that was the one good thing that kind of came out of COVID is that it really forced me to streamline a lot of the operation stuff, you know, streamline, yeah. not cut corners. I don't like to cut mm-hmm. corners, obviously, but, um, you know, making sure that, hey, yeah. you know, you're, you know, you're, you're a GERD guy, you know, you mm-hmm. have limited internal rotation. I yeah. need you to come in 10 minutes early so you can hit the strap, so yeah. you can hit the PVC pipe, you yeah. know, you know, and so like for me as, as the clinician or as, as the, uh, as, as the, you know, consultant or whatever, um, I need to make sure that I relay that information and I relay them like, look, this is the point of emphasis here for you right now, physiologically. Yeah. This is how, you know, you're not going to be able to get all of this done uh-huh. inside of the hour. So you need to come a little bit early. Yes. So, you know, just being on top of that kind of stuff yeah. was super helpful with making and sure that uh, everybody's getting what they need. Yes. And the thing that I can relate to, I give you so much credit because it's, you know, it's just you, you don't have staff, right? Yeah. So then it's just, you know, there's always going to be a priority list or how to make this more efficient to yeah. make the most of their time, right? Because there's so many things you could do with them, but okay, let's pick, up, pick out the priority of things, mm-hmm. right? The other thing that I want to ask you is, as we know, you know, as not only knowledge, you know, progresses in the field, right? Mm-hmm. Technology does too. Mm-hmm. And I know you use a lot of different technology to, things to help to give some objective info or just, you know, help to make the training that much more beneficial, right? Yeah. Individualized. So talk a little bit about that. What have you seen? What kinds of things? You don't have to explain everything, yeah. but yeah. what kinds of things do you use and how has that advanced since 2016? Um, you know, cameras wise, you know, like I yeah. usually use like a, you know, I, at the, when I opened my, my company, you know, I, I invested, you know, $1,500 in, mm-hmm. in a Sony slow, uh, high frame rate camera so yeah. I can do it. But like, you know, I could, and now like I could kind of do the same thing with an iPad, yes. you know, yeah. um, which is helpful, which, you know, which I don't have to like set up and plug it in and make mm-hmm. sure it's charged and stuff. So mm-hmm. that's the big thing that I am now, um, you know, prior to COVID, I had all of these, um, ideas that I was going to, you know, get a track man and, and get all these things. But as of right now, I think it's on the back burner just uh-huh. because of the majority of my players right now are kind of in that 12 to 14 year old range. Got it which they don't need to know why they don't need to know their curveball is spinning 3000 RPMs. Yeah. Like they don't need to know that, you know, my curveball needs to be at a 130 spin axis. Like, yeah. Yeah. you know, that's just not, you know, what, what I need. And, mm-hmm. and especially with, um, you know, a lot of the subscription software stuff, mm-hmm. um, you know, do I yeah. want to really keep paying $150 a month, you know, yes. just to have the software, you know, I don't know. Yes. But, um, yeah, I'm a big, I'm a big video guy. Um, mm-hmm. That's something that I think is helpful. I think everybody to a point understands what, you know, understands and trusts their eyes. Yeah. And so when they're seeing things on video where it's like, okay, you're doing this at this point, um, you know, we gotta, I think it kind of makes a little more sense. Yeah. There's so much technology right out there that, I mean, everything has a piece of the puzzle that it fits into, right? But it's like, yeah, what do you really need? And to just initial development, right? Of these younger athletes, it's, yeah. 
we can still develop you very well, right? Mm-hmm. Without all of the technical tools, but it's good to know that what is out there and keep keep yeah. up with, you know, kind of what's progressing and what kind of information, new information that we can apply to, you yeah. know, coaching and the athletes. Now, if so, if anyone's interested in training or things like that, yeah. what can they expect from you? Like we talked a lot about about your approach and things like that, but what can they expect? Like, what is the ideal, even like? off-season training or like in-season training what kinds of things do you recommend to these athletes well like like you said right it depends on the season right so we got summer coming up um i think a lot of players um you know when i again when we were in high school a lot of high schools would have summer leagues for their teams Mm -hmm. um but because the travel ball stuff is so prevalent (laughs) like it's almost like a lot of teams are like well why the sensor or a lot of schools Mm -hmm. are saying you know it's like they're playing baseball already so like Mm -hmm they're less likely to have organized baseball for their school. Mm -hmm. Um, So with summer, you know, it's, you know, making sure you're in the weight room three to four times a week, Mm -hmm. you know, and because of COVID we were talking about earlier, you know, I ended up kind of building out like a small weight room at my office. And so, you know, making sure I'm, I'm on top with all the programming with Mm -hmm. the strength and conditioning stuff. And then, you know, spacing it out appropriately as far as like when your throwing days are. Right now, the strength and conditioning stuff is kind of more just middle school and high school guys. I don't do a okay. whole lot with my um, with my elementary school kids mm-hmm. um, with the strength and conditioning stuff. But um, I think a lot of guys are starting to figure out that you know you can solve a lot of your you know you can solve a lot of problems by being strong. Strong. Yep. You know you can solve a lot agree. of things. Yes, by just developing strength. And you know I will say because you're you're too modest about this, but it's no small space. It's a ten thousand square foot facility, right? How about how much of that is the weight room side? Um, about a third. So about a third. Okay, I, so that's um, good. Yeah. So two power racks. I got pretty much every bar under the sun. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. But um, but yeah, not not anything too crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously I'd like to get a Kaiser machine set up. <laughs> I'd like to get a lot of things, but. Uh-huh. Like you said, because I'm only one person, yeah. um, I think ideally, you know, talking about evolution, ideally, like I, I'd like to be a little more hands off. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the strength and conditioning stuff, that's yeah. kind of a big thing in that. Um, yeah. You know, I could have dedicated days or I could have dedicated time slots for mm-hmm. just, you know, training and stuff. Training. So, you know, so again, it's 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 getting there. Yeah. It's getting there. But um, right now it's it's pretty uh I got everything you need to basically get strong. Yes, definitely. And so the other two thirds of your facility, is this, I know you do specialize more in pitching, but do you just have other non-pitchers come in and work on throwing mechanics or what other services are there? Um, Yeah, I mean like right now, I I think it's just because of the timing of everything. Um, I do have a few infielders kind of just coming in and wanting to get their arm better, whether it's with technique or whether it's with Mm -hmm. um, other interventions. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, the, my meat and potatoes is, um, is pitching. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do have a batting cage, so I do work. I'm not going to parade myself as some sort of hitting guru, but I could definitely, within five swings, figure out how to get you out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, like, I, if I ever see I was like, I, I know exactly how to get you out. Yes. And I can at least share that with you. Mm-hmm. So um, that's the approach that I take with the guys that want to have some um, offense work, Got some it. swing work. But again, my, my meat and potatoes is 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 pitching and, and all that. So, you know, I have a full cage during um during COVID because there mm-hmm. weren't there wasn't high school sports. In fact, a lot a lot of my a lot of my players did some of their recruiting videos. Oh yeah. At my at my office because um because my cage is seventy feet and they would have like two on two. Uh-huh. They would have live at bats in it. It yeah. would get pretty fun. <laughs> yeah. Um granted it's not 
like playing baseball, but yeah. it, it, it did the job. Yeah. yeah. That so. was my second question. Was there enough space to actually throw like pitcher batter yeah. live? That, that's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. Cause I think that a big problem with, with pitching training is that we, we throw into a net or we throw to somebody yeah. and we don't have any sort of real world reaction to what we're doing. Yeah. Um, when you have a hitter, that's the ultimate test. Yeah. Right. If a guy laces, a curveball that you're working on it's yeah. like okay well don't well, want to do that don't wanna, yes. that you know that what we're working on definitely ain't working <laughs> yes so we've got to change something up that way yeah so yeah so I, I try to be as comprehensive as i can whatever the player needs mm-hmm. um i also understand that you know is it a good thing to be pitching all year round no yeah. um you know so it is also i i, I try to be very very conscientious of like hey you know I, I, maybe i don't want to see you for another month mm-hmm. <laughs> you know like maybe let, let's let's wait a month and then we'll see yes you know yeah and so now that now that i have the strength conditioning stuff now that i have the weight room um mm-hmm. you know now they can still come in and they can um still get work in without having to throw yeah so it kind of works out nice yeah. You know, one one last question about like the Hawaii dynamic because we mentioned that Hawaii has a lot of good baseball players. Yeah. I mean, we have a lot of athletes in Hawaii, mm-hmm. but for you, kind of seeing, you know, now it's been a few years since you've. I know COVID kind of threw a wrench in everything, yeah. but seeing the development of these players, what are some of the common themes? I guess, or you know, like what what do you think it helps for these Hawaii athletes to succeed in baseball? Right, mm-hmm. like for you, is it more that yeah, we just need more facilities or, you know, like more opportunities for them or, you know, I think there's enough opportunities with the weather, but, you yeah. know, like what, what is it that you kind of preach to a lot of the young athletes? Having, cause I, I, I think there is a lot of confidence in yourself in taking mm-hmm. a day off. Yeah. You know, there's, there's confidence in yourself as to, you know, to take a day off, right. You have to be okay with the work that you put in. Mm-hmm the previous week or, or yes. whatever it is. And so figuring out, you know, I, I, obviously I don't want anybody obsessive about anything, mm-hmm. but to have that, you know, again, motivation, drive, whatever you want to call it. But like, it's that, it's just that having that, that idea that, you know, I know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I think I'm putting in the enough, enough effort. Yeah. And so, you know, on the days where you feel wrecked, or, yeah. the, or the or the weeks where you're like I got nothing to play you know I, I don't have games for another mm-hmm. month you know maybe I take the week off yeah, yeah. so that's um, the one thing that I see with a lot of high level players is just confidence yeah you know confidence in the work that they're putting in um, yeah. I I have I have yet to see a high level baseball player who mm-hmm. didn't train hard mm-hmm. and, yeah. and not not practice right not yeah. not the sport right yeah in the weight room yeah. You know, in the the running, the stuff that like sucks. Yeah, that's the, you know, yeah. that's what it is. It's the it's yeah. it's the stuff that sucks and the stuff that no one's gonna see you do. Yeah, but that's the work that has to put in, and that's what I think all high level, not just baseball players, athletes. Yes, lend towards. Yes, or gravitate towards. Yeah, yeah. No, so. that's that's excellent messages. You know, for the younger athletes, and kind of thinking on that note to build off of that. You know, I know you're willing to help everybody, right? You're right. But is there a certain message like, you know, if you're looking for this, like that is definitely what I do. Like if you're looking for obviously pitching, but more than that, like you're looking to. I think if, if, if you're if you're looking for a fresh out of eyes, mm-hmm. I think that's a big thing that I provide. I think I provide, you know, obviously I'm, I'm a baseball guy, true and true. Like for me, there's no off season, mm-hmm. you know, even when there's no major league baseball on TV, like I'm still working with players every day. So, mm-hmm. um 
you know, I think it's a fresh pair of eyes. I, I think, especially for the older guys, you know, you have your coaches telling you at, um, you know, at your school or, or at your team saying like, okay, you need to do this, but, you know, you're not really getting it or you're not mm-hmm. really seeing any sort of results from yep. what you're working on. You know, I could at least be somebody that unbiasedly, um, mm-hmm. I, 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 I pride myself in watching a player and mm-hmm. being fairly unbiased about what I'm seeing. Yes. That's kind of what something I provide is yeah. just, you know, I think I've seen enough bodies and I've seen enough arms move quickly to yeah. know, you know, what you should or shouldn't be doing. Yes. Yeah. No, that's a great, you know, if everyone's interested, right? What What's your website? How can they contact um, you? And probably what the of- best thing to do is go to one of my socials, um, okay. DM me, uh, Facebook, Pitching Performance Hawaii, um, Instagram, Pitching Performance Hawaii. Um, I think the Instagram, there are, uh, I think it's like one of, what, what are the calls? Underscores. Underscore. I'll put it in the yeah. show notes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you can email me at pitchingperformancehawaii at gmail. Got it. Yeah. And then they can check out your, what are your hours? and My hours typically? right now, I'm not seeing any players on Fridays and I'm not seeing any players on Fridays and Sundays. Just, okay. it's a weird week. So I'm, I'm going in today, but um, Fridays and Sundays are my days off. And, you know, basically from whenever anybody gets out of school. So because of okay. summers, because of the summer coming in, um, historically, my summers are pretty, pretty crazy. So yeah. <laughs> um, if you want to try and get a, get in on the schedule, then yeah, give me a, give me a call. Or give me your, or email me whatever and yes. if you want to give me a call 808-352-0478 got so. it and this is more for private individuals or do you guys do small oh, groups so or? um eventually so f- just because of how kind of things have been um usually the first three or four visits are one-on-one I, I really try That's and good. do that just because i think that one-on-one attention is important mm-hmm. with setting a lot of the groundwork stuff is yes. you know like what are, what does what your warm-up look like all, mm-hmm. all that stuff and then once everybody kind of gets into speed then i kind of just put everybody more into like small groups got it it won't be any bigger than three at a time got it um yeah no there's a lot of great things so go check out all of that we'll put it in the show notes last thing before we sign off yep. any last words that you have for really anybody doesn't matter if they're training with you or not or just last words of wisdom Okay, last words of wisdom. And I think it's because I am a parent now. Um, uh-huh. And this is probably more towards the parents. Don't be so hypercritical of your kids. Yeah. You know, I, I think, you know, especially when they're younger, you know, I, I think they need to just foster kind of like, okay, we need, you know, figure out something that they enjoy. Mm-hmm. You know, like if they're enjoying it, then it doesn't feel like it's a uphill battle and you're you're fighting <laughs> all the time. Yes. You know, um, yeah, I mean, just, just have your kid under like learn the sport love the sport and then um and yeah so don't be super hypercritical because you know if your kid is 12 he ain't gonna get drafted (laughs) until another seven years so you know you're not gonna it's not a make or break thing ever yeah completely agree let them find their passion and you know let that develop and yeah development is never linear yeah it's never linear (laughs) never yes so just you know remember that and i think that that will make it a lot more of a positive experience for both the parent and the kid. Yeah, I mean, because yeah. like that's what it should be, right? Yes. It's like literally baseball. I mean, yeah, it's cool to win, but at the same time, it's cool to like figure out how to learn things. Yeah. You know, like figure out how to learn a skill. Yeah. You know, of course, we're not promoting like not competing and stuff like that. Yeah. But think about when we we're little kids. I'm kind of like you, like look forward to the potluck. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Like simple things like that. Yep. And you never know what it might grow into and, you know, lead you down this not only successful college career but even after that right it's your professional career too yeah um 
Yeah, so um, have fun and yeah. Uh, yeah, stop yelling at your kids. <laughs> yeah, no, sounds good. But thanks so much for coming. No on problem. This is awesome. Fun. But yeah, good luck with everything that you're doing, and I'm sure we'll touch base in the future a lot more too, and yep. see all of the great things that you're doing. Sounds good, man. Thanks for having me. Thank you.